0: between the lines with virtual academy we all have a story to tell hello and welcome to the 50th edition of between the lines with virtual academy podcast going beyond the bads to allow members of law enforcement public safety and first response a place to tell their stories talk about the cases that have impacted their lives i am your co-host bren hinson and yesterday i jokingly told our producer aaron that this may be an episode where we simply hit record and then periodically check back every hour or so to see if our host is still talking to our guests. Because Mr. Michael Warren has had this date circled on the calendar ever since we told him we had the hosts of his favorite podcast lined up to be our guests for our 50th episode. But before we bring them in, we got to check on Michael Warren to see how he's uh, handling things today. So uh, you've got to be excited. Did you get any sleep last night?
1: I did, but I kind of feel like I'm heading to the junior high dance. And, you know because when you're in junior high no, nobody believes you've got a girlfriend until you actually show up and see them and you guys are all the time giving me a hard time about our guests but they're real they're not imaginary i, I would like to call them friends but we'll just go i'll settle for some people i know so i, I can't i can't wait
0: i'm just saying i'm just saying Let's not real waste quick, any time uh, um, No, Emerson Hour, you were a speaker. You mentioned them three times, and you mentioned uh, Between the Lines once, so I know where your loyalty lies. I I know who pays the bills, but I know who (laughs) gives me the information
1: so that we can pay the bills, so that's what we're (laughs) about today.
0: Collectively, our guests today have hosted over 200 episodes of their podcast that explores human behavior pattern recognition and analysis. Greg Williams is the former director of Human Behavior Pattern Recognition and Analysis and Irregular Warfare for Orbis Operations in McLean, Virginia. He's a decorated law enforcement professional and veteran with over 30 years of combined experience and expertise. Brian Marin is a decorated Marine, high threat protection security professional and subject matter expert on human behavior pattern recognition and analysis it is our pleasure to welcome from the left of greg podcast greg williams and brian maron thanks so much for taking time to join us today guys thanks for having us on very excited to be on uh, between the
2: lines and uh, talk to the folks at virtual academy thank you
1: guys i'll just tell you i was hoping it would be here by this time we're recording uh, brent you don't even know this I, I ordered a left of greg coffee mug a couple of oh. stickers. Those bad boys are going on the computer, so not only will people hear about it, but they're going to see about it as well.
3: Did you, wait, did you just order that? I did. <laughs> I did. Oh my, so we just, uh, I, we just redid the website. I literally just sent Greg the new website yesterday, so... I hope everything went through and worked. <laughs> we, haven't, we did like a soft release, I guess, of it. So I hope it's all good. Well,
2: while we're on the air, could you just give us your credit card number and the authorization code <laughs> just to make sure we got it right? Quality
1: assurance, right? All, all I will say is that when I got the receipt in my email, it had the big number one up top. And and so I thought that that was, that was because it was my first order, but perhaps it was the first order underneath the the, the That's a good setup. sign, actually.
3: I got to go back in there and check to sure i didn't even realize that that seems so right that that you were the first one that's hilarious
1: (laughs) i am so excited uh, about you guys being here and and so i kind of have to set things up a little bit number one i did find out about you guys from brian willis brian is a mentor of mine uh he's invested a lot in me and and so when he he suggests something i follow through with it and so you were one of the one, one of his biggest suggestions but one of the things that i found listening to your podcast is that you are two of the most humble, self-deprecating people that, that I've ever listened to. So so I'm gonna start things off and I'm gonna do a little differently. Brian, why should I listen to Greg and what he has to say about your content?
3: Oh man, that you're throwing me right at, right in there. Um, why should we listen to as well? We offer a consistent and different perspective, meaning we stick to what we know and we're very, very good at that. So it allows us to talk about different cases uh, different situations and human behavior in general one in a scientific manner but two that is easily understood Um, what greg is really really good at is a couple things and one of them is taking very highly complex scientific principles and breaking them down so anyone can understand and use them as he'll say we like to street it up And so you can you can take it from that perspective or you can be the academic. You know, I I saw a 30 year cognitive psychologist, you know, walk up to us and to Greg and say, I've been studying and doing this my entire life and I can't come anywhere close doing what you do. I can tell you every theory and everything that's ever been written about everything that you said. And you nailed them all on the head, but in a manner in which I've never even heard that described before. And so we, and just like we do in class, now the podcast is very different than our, our courses in the sense that. We're on the podcast, we're talking, we're giving opinion-based testimony. You know, we're just, ta- we're, this is a conversation that Greg and I would be having in the car if we were driving somewhere. So that's the idea. Now in class, we have to stay very laser focused and technical and we have a very specific process that we use because it's sound and it's been vetted and you can testify to it, um, which is very different than us talking on the podcast. So I guess to answer the question of why you, why you should listen listen to it is um, you're, you're going to get a new perspective. Some of the things that you you know or you think you know implicitly, you're going to get some validation, all right? Because you're probably on the right track, and you're going to get a, a, a kind of a lexicon and to to use to help articulate your actions. And and you know, you're it's gonna it's gonna be fun and entertaining, and and hopefully get something out of it.
1: Well, fun and entertaining is exactly correct, Greg. When you're on the podcast. I would say that this is a master's level snippet of an incredibly important topic so uh, my first question to you would be why would you give it away for free because there are a lot of people that have a lot of expertise but you're not going to hear anything of it unless you pay a lot of money for it and you guys have you guys got the full-length course but literally you've got over 200 episodes you can go and you can get an incredible amount of information up there. Why do you give it away like that?
2: That's such a great question. And first of all, let's everybody understand that we're so honored, Brian and I, to be here on the 50th episode. That's very meaningful. And Mike, we've been fans for a long time. So thanks. It goes both ways. I'm old enough that a life sentence doesn't mean that much anymore. So I'm willing to <laughs> lay the cards out on the table so everybody can read exactly what the truth is. And there are so many charlatans and posers in this very small bandwidth that the next book they should write is on mediocrity so i have read so many like uh, listen we are taping this the day after the tragedy at the nashville catholic school how many pundits come out of the woodwork to say our way is the best way and this stuff works look we don't cover any of that Humans make mistakes. Humans sometimes can turn to the dark side. The psychopathy of humans is fascinating. And here's the thing. You can either buy somebody's book that is a a ridiculous recitation of every other novel that's ever been written and pay them a lot of money and then get on their bandwagon. Or what you can do is you can listen to a couple of good podcasts that are out there or read a couple of really good books that are out there. Like for example, Willis, you mentioned Brian Willis, Brian Willis comes on once every Wednesday for 60 seconds and lays down some logic. That's what we wanted to do. And you know what we wanted to do it for free for? Uh, th- th- what a great sentence that was, uh, so eloquent. But we wanted to do it for free because we wanted to expose, we wanted to shine the light on the douchebags that are out there with their courses where they're costing so much money and expounding all these theories that, again, are just they are quoting me at their course. On stuff that I built and then charging people for it, we give it away for free. So come get some. And and the idea is that that will expose them. You will Im- immediately be able to ask us any one of the questions. And, and you know what? We have to charge for in-person training. Do you know why? Have you been on an airplane lately? Have you seen what the rates are at a local hotel? Oh. So we charge something that's commensurate for us and my big ass eats a lot to get to your location <laughs> and to spend three very intense days training with your personnel and we will change their DNA. And so on the broadcast, and Brian was great by saying the podcast is very different than class, why? Because the class is very immersive and very good and very fast paced. And again, I would agree with your assessment that it's master class level. But so is the podcast. But on the podcast, I can drop the F-bomb if I'm very excited about it, or I can say this is bullshit and call somebody out. Whereas in class, specifically when you're in academia or you know in a military setting or something like that, you have to stay in the left and right lateral limits and, and maintain the limit of advance. Now, there's no difference in the science. The science is what sets us apart from everybody. And I think one of the points, and we hate bios and resumes because they blow. And nowadays, chatbot you know, can make me into a, a multiple PhD in a number of fields. And how the hell would you check it, right? Because you're going to check it with another chatbot. But the, the idea is that you can instantly tell on a podcast. You can instantly tell the words are coming out of my large head and that this is my meaning. This is what we mean by it. And and so that's a a huge advantage of going to a podcast. And you know what? If we're wrong, we're scientists. Brian and I are both information scientists by definition. If we're wrong, we can correct ourselves. That's the beauty of science. But if you're a freaking douchebag like all these other guys that are making (laughs) profits on the other stuff, you can't fix that. You can't fix asshole. There's a lot of steps that would go into doing that, and most people have entrenched themselves in coming out with sound bites. Yesterday, the FBI soundbite uh, with uh, the pattern that we've noticed is that people go through doors to enter into the building to kill other people. Well, there's an earth-shattering expose. <laughs> Journalists are are activists now, and and the people that are the talking heads are sometimes the least informed. So here's what you'll get from Brian: you'll get Uh, transparency, you'll get honesty, and you'll get our personal experiences. You're not going to get any hodo or bullshit. You're not going to get any stories that we weren't first person at, and you'll be able to back up everything by going to the science and seeing it's exactly the stuff. And that's what's been missing because conjecture is fine, but conjecture opens up. Then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about theory. This isn't a theory. This is in principle. This is science that we've gone outside the wire and used for a good long time. And and Mike, you being a copper on the road, you know exactly what we're talking about. And that's why it resonates with you. No, nobody listens for the first five minutes of an episode and goes, these guys are full of shit. They go, hey, tell me more. And, and you know what? Our early work was horrible. You listen to like the first couple of episodes and I'm shouting out to my mom. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm petting my my cat. And, and Brian and I aren't sure where to go on. Well, and the episode's like 20 minutes of us you know, blubbering to try to get through it. But you know what? We, we've we changed. We've updated our format. And the idea is that, you know, the last 185 episodes or something have been magic. People say this blows. Why does it blow? And we go into that. Uh, This happened uh, yesterday. An amazing thing happened. There's a a copper in another jurisdiction that showed up on a suicidal subject and burst into the room while coppers were already there and shot the suicidal subject. Now the appellate court says, hey, wait a minute, maybe we rushed the judgment and now they're going to retry that case. And all those same pundits came out and said, oh man, it's too bad for coppers. Coppers should never be prosecuted. What do you mean copper shouldn't be prosecuted? What's the difference between a copper and a 7-Eleven clerk? If you're thieving uh, in a Wisconsin Walmart, you should be put in handcuffs and dragged out through the store. So when people do stuff wrong, they should be held accountable. And that's the last thing I'll say is our podcast. We try to hold people accountable for their actions because there's consequences to your actions.
1: Well, Brian, I have to point out well, one of the things that I really enjoy about the work that you specifically do is that oftentimes you'll get on the podcast and Greg, will be like, hey, what's the topic today? Because you, you called him and said, hey, we need to hop on. And the stuff you talk about is stuff that is going on right now that relates to your subject matter. And, and you make it so contemporary and relevant that I think that really resonates with the listeners as well.
3: We we certainly try. I mean, we, we have to walk that line of I'm not going to comment on a case until I get some of the facts of the case. I mean, right. that's the issue is like that's what I can't stand about these pundits and people selling stuff on social media or on the news when like you this. You know, Greg brought up the shooting that just happened yesterday. He was like, that happened y- yesterday. It's 12 hours. The-, the blood isn't fucking dry yet. What are right. you doing? Like, you have no idea what happened. The first reports of something coming out are almost always wrong, and they're horribly wrong. But the problem is then we don't ever hold that person accountable Said, so, well, wait a minute, you said this. then they just walk it back and go, well, you know. It's like, yeah, because you're all trying to be first. I'd rather be right. You know what I mean? I'd rather be right than first. So, so we, we do that. We stay con- contemporary. We try to talk about what's going on now. But bring in the same principles that have worked for thousands of years exactly. or, or that we've seen in, in so many different domains. Everyone wants a new flash in the pan thing. And and, and the, the simple truth is it doesn't that, that that doesn't work. Why would you use something new when we have got all these great things that have, that have consistently worked over time? So we, tr- we try to stay relevant. We try to stay on, on top of, of different topics. But again, it's it's walking that balance of we don't want to speak too soon or or if it's enough unless it's enough some are so obvious to us and we've read enough we go I think this is what's going to happen and then we're we're generally right on those and we'll correct ourselves if we're not
1: it's funny how the media tries to hide behind when, when that that first information is wrong hey well we had incomplete information it was you know it was still ongoing rapidly evolving yet they hold cops to a different standard right like they're supposed yep. to know everything while it's rapidly evolving and, and all these things are ongoing I like how you pose the question because when you talk about some of these events, you, you always put the disclaimer: "Hey, we we don't know what they were thinking, uh, but here's some things that you should be thinking. Here's some things you should consider because it's about." evaluating something, but learning from an experience so that we can address it differently in the future if it calls for that.
2: Yeah. And Mike, I would say this. Resumes are the most overblown craptacular thing that I've ever seen because in the last 24 hours now, and then Brian, you're probably even closer. It's less than 24 hours. I've seen people that are uh, school shooting experts. Okay. I know more about Columbine than Klebold and Harris. And I was never touting myself as a school shooting expert. People are writing books as school shooting experts based on that you did the research, that you showed up at the school, what what are we thinking? And then all of a sudden we have these talking heads that get on CNN and MSNBC and they're security experts. Listen, I've built numerous programs of record for the United States Department of Defense. If you had any idea how hard and what a goat rope that is to go through all of that crap, And I don't come out and say I'm an expert on any of that. I'm an expert on one thing in my entire life, human behavior, pattern recognition, analysis. I'm the best in the world at that. And I stay in my flipping lane. So you're not going to see me on those shows, trying to purport that I'm somebody else. That's conflating the issue. Yesterday read a, a LinkedIn profile of a person. You don't know, you have any idea how many scripts I've written for virtual reality or augmented reality. I, I worked for DARPA on a number of projects. Look it up folks, I'm not gonna waste your time with it. But these folks, self-important folks, insert themselves, insinuate themselves into an investigation or into a talk and they're making a lot of money and you know what? Their bona fides don't add up. So I would say, here's the thing. You can check me out. Absolutely everything I do, my resume is online. And Mike, you know me. You know where I came from. And you know folks that know me. And Willis knows me. That's the tail of the tape. The tail of the tape is we'll come to your town, we'll show up in person, and we'll show you the training changes behavior. And the training is for anything and anybody. It's to talk, it's to speak better with your kids it's to get along better with your neighbor it's to be a cop and show up on the scene and listen and see what's happening read the tea leaves rather than just insert yourself and go this is what's going to happen next and guess what people get better because it's a human to human problem and it has to be a think that we fix not a thing they had cameras at the school yesterday what do cameras do they record the shooting we have bars on the windows. What do bars on the windows do? Sometimes keep people in that need to get out. We make it about guns. Why? Because whatever the topic du jour is, that's the thing that I can rail against and, and, and be an activist for. What we want to do is we want to educate the common human in America and say it doesn't have to be that way. Two things that pop hot when you're walking through your environment constantly are opportunity and danger. And if you don't know how to read them, then you could be a victim. That's all we do. We separate victims from potential opponents or give people the opportunity to leave the situation when it's escalating so they don't have to be there. If you would see those pre-event indications of violence or opportunity, then you know the scales fall from your eyes, and you go, "Holy crap! It's going to be a bar fight," or "Holy crap! They're going to give away something free," or "Somebody's going to show up at the mall, and I want to be there to get my T-shirt signed." And we are able to do that with this process, and and it's not gosh damn mind reading, and and it's not tarot cards, it's not anything. It's simple science. Certain things happen before other things, and if you can read that, look, uh, a chicken in China acts in a specific way before an offshore volcano, right? And people go, "Wow, that's pretty odd." Well, it works pretty good. And if you're over 51%, then it's scientifically uh, important. And the statistics will bear us out. So what we do is we teach folks, anybody, no matter how smart or how old or what your gender specific uh, you know nouns are, whatever you do, we teach everybody how to see danger and opportunity in everyday things in everyday life. And guess what? It makes you less anxious. You live life more fully. You're more confident and competent when you go out there. And you're not a douchebag
1: so so i guess that lends the question then at its basic level what is human behavior pattern recognition and analysis
2: i'll give you the first part and then i'll pass it to brian so all my life i noticed that there were patterns so i did a lot of independent study and figured out that patterns patterns in numbers for example patterns in data patterns in human migration or movement patterns in pricing and finance all of those things were important so pattern recognition is the first step. You have to see and
3: acknowledge the pattern. But that's where most systems stop. Yeah. So I gave a kind of a, a simple definition um, of human behavior pattern recognition analysis or, or HBPRNA, which is actually the hardest thing you have to learn to say when you come to one of our courses. But but if you think back to anyone listening right now, just think back to when you're a real little kid. I, I don't care who raised you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt and uncle, neighbor down the street, whoever it was. Think about whoever raised you, and then when they walked in the room before they ever said a word, you knew whether they're happy, whether they're sad, whether they're angry, you got to run and hide because you're about to get a whooping, whatever the issue is, right? That's human behavior pattern recognition, and actually, uh, humans are primed for pattern recognition. and Everything is tied to survival. So we have to see patterns and things in order to keep ourselves and our tribe alive. That's ingrained with us. Human beings are exactly the same way they were over 180,000 years ago, or at a minimum. It's probably longer than that, but at a minimum, 180,000. But sometimes we can be too good at pattern recognition and it works too well, and we make patterns out of things that aren't there. This is where the A part comes in, the analysis. But analysis, you have to use a method, you have to use a process to operationalize information, to understand sense make and problem solve. And you do it all the time. And it's usually very some something very simple, something very low calorie. So I always give like the, the doorknob example. So think about all the different ways there are to open a door. There's different types of knobs, there's press, there's a press bar, there's a turn, there's a you know, think about that. Well, someone didn't need to show you how to operate. Every single one of those. Once you're young enough to understand conceptually how the mechanism of a door works, where right? I have to turn this handle or press this button to open this door, from that point on, your brain said, I got it, right? And it'll use prototypical matching, right? So I use that example because that's how we're primed to learn. Humans can learn like that. But if I'm not relying, if I'm not basing my assumptions in some sort of process or science or something that's legal, moral, and ethical, and I, I start to get in a little gray area. So specifically with a lot of your folks who are listening right now who are in law enforcement, that's where problems start to arise. So that analysis needs to be some. But what do we do? We go to the pundits. We go to the, uh, let's go read on coffee tables next and find out what he has to say. Let's go read uh, or watch some pundit on Fox News or CNN. And they're going to talk about all this junk that really doesn't matter. Right, because anyone can go and do that, and what we use is a process, so our process is sound, and we have different ways of doing that where you understand how human cognition works. Right, what is the eye and brain? How does it actually work? And what are we missing out there that we need to focus in on? How do I put every observation into some sort of context? What is the baseline? Because everything that I see in life you go through it's a comparison to some known that you have right you're comparing uh, and that's subjective right is it cold in here is it hot in here does that hurt what's the pain scale so think of it like that you're comparing that to a known so if you only have a handful of knowns if you only know a few things everything's going to be based off of that if i've only seen a gas can used to fill up a lawnmower or a vehicle i don't understand the significance of it when someone's stacking them up outside of a building. It doesn't mean anything to me, right? And, and so that comparative baseline is so important. So everyone wants the, you know, hey, give me a list of things. What do I need to go look for? It's like when we see these terms, oh, that's a that's a pre-attack behavior or something. It's like, dude, you're already starting to jam a square peg in a round hole and you're already suffering from confirmation bias. You're creating an inevitable situation in your mind and your brain will say, oh, this is where you wanna go? I'll drag you right along with me because your brain is trying to get to the answer, before you consciously are aware of it. So, so we try to stay away from that stuff. So I have to have some knowns from which to compare it to. And so the idea is everyone wants that list. Well, give me the things I need to look for. The world isn't like that. It's not how it is, right? What we really focus on is vanilla. It's what what is the baseline? What's normal for every situation that I'm in right now? What's everything that I need to know and why it's here because then, it becomes obvious what those anomalies are. It becomes obvious what those things that are out of place. So if we focus on on exactly, you know, the, this just that context, and really, really getting good at understanding human behavior at a very basic level, well, then everything becomes apparent. Then I I, I don't need uh, all these new terms, or I don't need to learn some new thing. All right, it's obvious to my brain what's odd here, and then based on your role in the situation. You have to make a decision because all of our stuff is geared towards decision making, right? We, that, that's what we're really good at, getting, getting making the right decision at the right time for the right reason.
2: Uh, Mike, I would add to just that. Uh, listen, I owe your viewers and listeners an apology for t- going off on my douchebaggery tangent only because people died yesterday and some people are trying to make money off that incident. And I would say this, I would add to that, that whatever it is that you're studying, for example, if it's a martial art, Or Brian and I love training trainers. There's incredible amounts of very, very good police trainers that are out there, military trainers, instructors. And that's a level that we like to keep at. We like to keep that sort of collegiate level black belt talk going. If you're going to get behind something, get behind something that's been around a long time. And that's got good reviews, no matter who's in office, and it's got good reviews from academia, has been tested by Office of Naval Research, Army Research Institute, private institutions. Why? Because those are the thing. Look, we're humans. So we're like a trout where we want to strike at that shiny spoon that's going by and only to find out that there's a hook in it and that's how society is you'll read that now you know uh uh, we're going to go back to Lao Tzu or Lao Tse or we're going to go back to to, you know reading the the art of war uh Sun Tzu what what is the new one Brian the Greeks the the stoics okay look yeah yeah. stoicism good ideas have been around a good long time and somebody rebrands them and they bring them back to the forefront what we need to do is we need to stay on something consistent. And training is one of those consistent things that if it's really good for a long period of time, Mike, you've been around. You remember Jeff Steffel. Steffel uh, uh, broke down uh, Michigan laws uh, till they're readable chunks. And I looked at Jeff Steffel when I was young and I go, man, I'm going to model all my training after this guy. So I understand all those principles, but I want to take it to somewhere that you can use them every day. And if, if anybody ever comes on and uses a disaster to sell their wares, to me, that's the lowest of low. So what we want to do, we want to keep offering as much free content to as many people as possible. And if we can fix one situation where a broken human can see another broken human and step in and take some sort of action, decide, as Brian would call it, before the incident occurred, then we win. And, and and that doesn't matter if it's a shooting or if it's a suicide or if it's a robbery or if it's a kid having a hard day on the way to school or, or some kid acting up or acting out on a bus. That's the idea. It should work in all of those domains rather than in just one specific domain.
1: That's one of the things that's been really important to me with, with your stuff is that it's applicable in Michigan And it's applicable in California and it's applicable in Iraq, wherever it is, if it's intentional. Another thing I think it's important to point out is that your client base is largely law enforcement and military, but it's uh, it's applicable to everybody,
2: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and and, and very briefly, listen, we try to stay humble, but when you're trying to prove a point, sometimes you've got to go away from humility and just say stuff that's out there. So we've been lucky enough to build programs for NATO and the UN and JIDO and GEFCOM and and, uh, DIA and DEA and National Geospatial Intelligence Organizations and every branch of the Army and and Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force. uh, When it comes to foreign coalition partners uh, for the Ministry of Interior, Ministry of Defense for number of countries that have been coalition partners over the years. That doesn't happen by accident. And it's not me. It's not Brian. It's that the science that we put together coalesced and caused a bond. And that bond, when people see and hear it, they go, wow, that's that's revelatory. I now it's like Saul on the road to Damascus. Those scales fall. And all of a sudden I have this moment where I go, OK, I got that. I can do this. And, and I'll equate it to something very simple. Your car. Uh, uh, when the warning light comes on on your car, you got to pay attention to it. If not, sooner or later, you're going to be at the side of the road going, damn, I should have paid attention to it. Now you can take one of two tactics: You can pay attention to it or you can put a band-aid over it so it doesn't bother you anymore which one are you doing today? So if you get up every day and you go, I'm gonna check my engine oil, I'm gonna make sure that my car seat belts work, I'm gonna make sure that my, uh, you know, door locks are lubricated or whatever, you're gonna have a good day. If you get up and you look at that warning light and you drive anyway, you're gonna seize somewhere in traffic, you know, an I-96 and you're not gonna be a happy guy. The idea is life is so simple, we're the ones that complicate it. So we wanna cut through that, By using science to make well they call it hacks now i guess i'm not a social media guy right Uh, a hack is supposed to make your life easier computers are supposed to make your life easier virtual reality is supposed to make your life easier well there's still a human that's at the end of those so put the computer in the loop and have the human give your answers and the human does the training you'll get a lot better results from that and that's what we found and and we found that it's universal because people speak the same language we've never been in a country where a person drove the car with a rope by standing on a hood and shoved a sandwich up their ass to eat lunch you know so the idea is that we're so much uh, much more similar to other people everywhere we are that anomalies things that people do that stick up above or fall below the baseline stick out and everybody got that everybody acknowledges that and they were able to take the program and use it on their own no matter where we went
1: and and brian you you talked about context putting things in context as part of the baseline Uh, i i like to tell people think back to 2019 if somebody walks into a bank wearing a mask what, what type of response are you gonna get? Man, they're calling 911, your p- cops are coming lights and sirens. It, you just go forward one year, people walk into uh, w- with a mask and now it's the norm because the baseline has changed, the context has changed. That's where it requires critical thinking. H- how do you teach that? H- how do you get people to recognize that?
3: So it's it's again, it's not, you know, you, you that's someone saying, well, if you see a person walking in here with a mask, think, well, hang on, man. So first of all, what is the, you know, it's what you're looking for And how to understand it and what you're talking about in context specifically i mean you, you have to use the the right uh ways to articulate it so first of all for that example okay something um in a bank okay well a bank is has very different behavior associated with than grocery store a bar anything else right so i have to understand just the geographic location now it's again if you took all the people out of there, right, and there was no one there, the aliens just sucked everyone up, none of those things would have any of those attributes. There would be no none of those values. So, so what we look at is what's the behavior associated with this place at this given time? That would be the context. Then it's what incongruent behavior I'm seeing and how do I couple these things together? Because each indicator on their own may mean nothing or may only mean one thing. It's when, when they start to coalesce together in some sort of cluster or constellation of cues that I need to make a decision so that person's behavior inside a bank wearing a mask what else are they doing because even though it's during COVID they could still be robbing the place so I I can't look at these things I can't look at you know what color their skin is what they're wearing unless it's it doesn't fit in that given situation so it's all about comparisons to what you know and what I always tell police officers like i mean this in a a good way police officers have a lot more experience than they realize they know a lot more than they realize because you gain so much experience in just in a day in a week in a month in a year if you're out there all the time dealing with people you have so much tacit knowledge, like you don't even realize what you know because one, you're taking it for granted, right? Two, no one ever taught you to articulate it. Three, you're so focused on you know, your safety and doing your job that you're, you're, you are missing some of it, right? And you fall into these grooves on the record. Well, it's it just if I can understand what these in, what these incongruent behaviors I'm seeing and why it informed me to make a decision at this given time and place, because you got a whole lot of factors, you know, it's OK, here's what's happening. Uh, you're there to prevent or stop, you know, a crime that that's something that's going on. Right. Well. You got a lot of considerations. There's tactical considerations. There's operational ones. There's strategic ones. There's does this yeah you're within your rights to do something right now but is that the right thing to do? What about that new chief's directive that came down? How does that affect this situation? What about what happened on the news last night? What's going on in the city? Is this the right time to make this call? And that's a lot to take in. I mean it really is And, and a lot of people do that automatically without realizing how much they're taking into account. And I don't think we're always good at explaining that sometimes as Humans, you know, just this is why I made a decision. So if we get better at that, we start to understand our environment better, and it allows us, you know, to use the training that we already have. You don't need to learn a new tactic, technique, or procedure, right? You, the ones you have are likely good enough, right? Because uh, they'll they'll get corrected if they're not, right? Usually, you know, poorly, but but it'll get corrected. So it's it's what it, what do I know as a human being? Because if you're testifying in front of a jury. They don't have your experience anyway. They don't know anything about you and what you do. So how do I, I should be able to explain this to, I got a 10 year old insurgent running around here. I have to be able to explain things to her, right? In a, in a manner in which she understands it. Okay. Well, yeah, I can do that because this is what I do for a living, but, but that's hard to do. Right. And, and that's the goal is what would you tell your kid to explain this situation? And then- you'll find out some of the decisions you made didn't really pass the smell test. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we had like a a police officer come up to us in class or or a lot of people go, man, I'm just now realizing I'm looking back like, i was the one who escalated a situation or contributed this outcome without even realizing it i was and i go and you were doing what you were trained to do they're like yeah and it's like okay so so you know it's not always about you it's about what and how you learned and how you're applying that but to be able to have that you know understanding of okay you know i should be able to you know it was especially with the military guys saying like okay well, when we're on deployment i was like dude You're using this when you go to 7-Eleven in between, uh, you know, lunch and, you know, when you're on your lunch break. This isn't something I use during a specific situation. This is something I use constantly all the time. Like Greg even brought it up, like because of what I do in this, like it literally makes me a better father. It makes me a better husband, right? It makes me a better friend because I can read and understand the situation a thousand times better than I ever could before. So let me
2: prove it to you by giving you two for free, Mike. I'll give you two for free for everybody that's in the audience right now. I like free. So here's the scenario. You mentioned a bank. Now I'll go further than the mask. The person also has rubber gloves on. They have the eye pro on. They have a knit cap that's pulled down to their eyebrows. And now the game starts. So here's gift number one. I want you to see if any time in your life you did a rehearsal. When you walked into 7-Eleven to get that pack of smokes, Or you walked into the liquor store to grab your six pack of old English 800 or whatever it is that you may drink. When you went to the pizza place to pick up your pizza, you didn't stand back, watch everybody move up to the counter, then take another step back, then drive around the parking lot and look through the window and then come in, check your phone. You went and you got your shit and you went home because you're a human. Bad guys don't do that. Bad guys and girls stage rehearsals. They warm up. They get ready and pumped up to swing at you or fight you or run from you or do those other things. So when those actions are present, now you have demonstrated intent. So as Brian said, now you have the uniform of the day that's suspicious in the environment against the baseline. But you know what? It could be just somebody's worried about catching COVID or has got a bad cold. But now you have a rehearsal. So the second thing for free is etch a sketch. Every kid that's listening right now or every parent knows what an Etch-a-Sketch is. If you don't, look it up Etch-a-Sketch on your your Google machine and you'll find it very quickly. What I want you to do is when you see things coalescing and you see them coming together and you think that whatever's going to happen is inevitable, and remember, it's danger or opportunity, what I want you to do is just shake your head, take a breath, open your eyes, and look at it again. And if those pieces start falling back again, maybe you have something. The idea is how many artifacts or evidence in support of the conclusion that my brain is coming to are present in this situation now. Now I look back and I go, well, it appears that the person got a bulge, but then the offset of that is, yeah, but it might be a legal carry state. But I see that he's kind of standing back in the shadows, you know, by the Coke machine rather than up at the counter where everybody else is standing. And I see that people are starting to orient towards this man or woman because as those tick marks are going and when you're trained, they happen in nanoseconds. When you're untrained, they happen when the news media sticks their camera and their microphone on you and you go, well, I should have known something was wrong when I thought it was backfiring at the mall. You you get what I'm saying? So the difference between training and being inexperienced and going through a situation literally is nanoseconds. And you can fix it by going to training. Look, reading is great, but going and being able to experience it with sage graybeard veterans that take you through, male or female, I don't see in the, the differences there, but a person that's got the bona fides to take it. Look, I wouldn't wanna try to learn piano by buying a piano. I would wanna make sure that I went out there and I tested it somewhere and I rehearsed a couple of people and found out that this was a good fit for me musically, it fit into my house and I could actually follow reading uh, uh, the music. That's all what we do in HBPRNA. And, and people dumb it down because they say, oh, it's just increased situational awareness. Nah, I've seen people be the most situational aware and get schwacked in combat in an instant. Why? Because they go, holy shit, this is dangerous. Boom. Now they're dead. That's not what it is. It's the ability to use advanced critical thinking and come to a reasonable conclusion before the end of the movie. That's what it is. Because I, I don't want to step on a bomb and go, hey, we're in a minefield. I don't want to get shot and say, hey, I'm in a robbery. I want to be able to turn that time back and see those pre-event indications of whatever's going to happen well before it happens. And and people today take situation awareness for granted. It's something that has to be trained. You're just not born with it. Are some people better at it than others? Yeah. Are some people what we call a natural? Oh yeah, you got it. And that the Combat Hunter program for the Marine Corps brought that out. We found that that uh, city kids had an innate ability to tell just by walking into an environment and seeing certain atmospheric indicators that we were in the shit. We we had country kids that knew that it was better to hunt a pheasant by the fence line off of this certain road than it was somewhere else, just because they'd done it so many times that the conditions spoke to their brain. Well, that's a great thing about your limbic system and your amygdala and your prefrontal cortex working together. And as Brian said, it's all primitive. Your primitive danger, early warning system, Will Robinson is what we tap into and we show you over and over in class how to read those tea leaves and come to the conclusion that shit's going sideways or that, Hey, again, they're going to give away something free. I should be first in line. And, and I want to disabuse people of thinking that it's all, uh, doom and gloom and danger and hate. It's not. It's learning to communicate with those folks that are around you in a manner that you're going to get the most out of your transmission and your reception because if the radio is playing on WKRB and you're listening on WKTX, you're not going to hear any of the songs and all you're going to do is walk through life bumping into people and pissing them off. So we kind of roll that back and say every once in a while you can drop a rock in a pond, see where those ripples go, test your environment and be in more in tune uh, with the baseline in which you're operating. And that's really important for fishermen or for coppers, or for soldiers or for house uh, wife or husband. It, it works for everybody. Once they see it, Uh, the first time they're like wow and that's why some people get hooked to the podcast and in mike i don't know how you came to the podcast i know willis is such a great guy and he brings some people there but there was a chance that you were going to go to an early one or one that was a real dog we call them the meg episodes everybody's got one of those in 200 you're going to get a shitty episode you know what i'm saying you're going to say the wrong thing to the wrong guy at the wrong time but the idea is that we try to remain consistently on point and give people free tidbits of information that make them smarter faster and harder to kill
1: i want to point something out here because and brian i think you in one of the the earlier episodes uh you you were talking about uh working out this place and this guy was you know slamming the weights down because he couldn't get on a machine and you pointed out that you decided that that you know what I need to get out of here is it's better to do this and, and perhaps we need to reframe this whole idea of bias for action. I speak from law enforcement, but because the action mm-hmm. is almost always pointed towards getting physically involved, but sometimes right. that action can be deciding you know what this isn't the best place for me to be.
3: No, and and uh, that's a that's a great point about an intervention strategy. In and people get especially in that line of work. What I've seen is, um, you know, we think we have to come to a conclusion or resolution right now. And we really get wrapped up in time. Of like, well, this has got to. It's like, look, man, like you got to take a different approach to time. Things, t- time is a very, it's an odd, odd thing because it's it's so perception based. As humans, we're not very good at understanding it. That's why we kind of need to watch. But that's not always how we experience time. And so we always think, well, I, I got to do this right now. It's like, no, you can do it when it's beneficial for you, right? Maybe it's only a second. Maybe it's only a minute. Maybe it's something else. But you you can you can kind of manipulate time in a sense to uh, to have a better outcome and what you're talking about there with, with comes to what what your role is in the situation you don't always have to end things right now right not everyone is worth chasing not everything is worth doing right now like you have to look at it not right now in the moment but what's the better picture for everyone involved in the long run if because we, we keep making these you know short-term decisions then it, it's never gonna it's never gonna get anywhere and i i think i kind of remember the, the story you're talking about someone getting uh, upset and slam the weights down, and it was so incongruent with the situation. Right, that 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 is okay in some cases, but not in others, and it was not okay in this case. And so you don't know what that person is going through. They, they that could be the you know we say some people are walking around, they're holding the full glass. I know you've probably heard us talk about that in the podcast. Like you're walking around, and if, if you man, if your cup is full. Whoever bumps into you is that's where everything comes out and that's where everything spills. Even if you never met that person, never ran into, never know know nothing about them, you just happen to be the one that comes up and says, hey there guy, can I talk to you for a second? And he goes, you know what? Not today, right? And and you had nothing, you had no idea what was going on before that. So some people are just walking around with that full glass, and so you don't know what it is. And Greg brought up at the beginning of the episode, he made it as a joke, but when he said, "I'm at my age, a life sentence doesn't really mean anything anymore. Some people are like that. You know, you have a lot more to lose. If you're listening to this podcast, I would guess that you have a lot more to lose than most of the people you run up against in day. Okay. So Amen. think about that, right? You what, That person has nothing. To, people who have nothing have nothing to lose. So if you want to go toe to toe with that, guess what? They're willing to go all in and they're willing to go a little bit farther than you are. Right. And, and we've all met people like that. I've met people. I've seen it when going, you know what? This guy's willing to take the situation a lot farther than me. I'm in over my head. Even if I was smarter, stronger, tougher, faster, whatever than that individual. They, I'm telling you they're willing to go farther. So it's always weighing out what those options are and those intervention strategies are what's the best time and place to make this happen. Right. I don't have to resolve everything right now. Right. That's always a joke. Anytime I work especially with different task force, something like that, especially with, with police. I'm like, but but if this goes on longer, like, well, we can't, we have to stay on. And I was like, all right. So you guys get like overtime then, huh? Like, this is, a, this is a Fed task force, buddy. They got money. Like, what are you talking about? So you're telling me if this guy continues to do this, you're going to get paid more money? Why aren't you incentivizing him that to do that? You know what I mean? And it's, it's a joke, and I get it, that you still have the end of the day, still have reports to write and all those. Things. Everyone's got things, but we focus on, oh, I've got all this stuff to do. And it's like, no, any interaction I have with a human, that's the most important thing in my life right now because yep. I don't know where that's going to go. It's
2: important for your audience to understand where we come from. We use humor sometimes, we use off-color language. We do those things to be the ball of yarn to the cat, to make sure the cat's still paying attention. Some of it's scripted, some of it's uh, spontaneous. Most of the stuff Brian does is scripted. Most of the stuff I do is spontaneous and then Brian reacting to me going, oh God, now where are we going? But I'll give you a perfect example of what Brian was saying in real life. So we're in Detroit and we're in a crappy hotel and I just got done working out and Brian and I were on a different workout schedule and I'm exhausted. So I go in and they got the free breakfast and I keep telling myself, go upstairs. You got a Lara bar upstairs. You're gonna be fine, you don't need this. But I'm a fat gelatinous mass, so I like food. So I go through and I grab some crap that's no good for me. I grab two juices, two coffees, and some eggs and some like biscuit gravy, right? Because, you know, being morbidly obese is a task. I got to work at it. So I sit down. I've got my earbuds in. I've got my towel. I'm wearing my workout gear. And I'm starting to chow because we get up obnoxiously early to get ready for class and brian comes in to go to the workout room and sees me and comes over and as he's coming over i'm already feeling the guilt pangs man i shouldn't be eating this shit right in front of brian he's not going to think that i worked out and he comes up and he goes hey how many people are eating here and he walks out and goes to the gym (laughs) now perspective is everything What Brian meant is he pattern recognized that I had two juices. I had two milks. I had everything that was separated on my plate. And what he meant is who am I eating breakfast with? That's all he meant. Okay. And we talked about that for hours afterwards, but in that moment, it was all on me. And that's confirmation bias. There is no Dunning-Kruger effect. Stop talking about the imposter syndrome. What we try to do is we spend so much time working on a lexicon to name it. That was survival guilt. I felt guilty because a dear friend of mine came up and I thought he cut me down at the knees with a, an insult. And then when I, I sat there with that insult, it bothered me for an hour and a half. But then when we got down to the rental car, I got to say, "Hey, Brian, it really bothered me. He goes, oh, no, Greg, I didn't mean it that way. So what we do is we fall short of the expectations of humans because we take it on the chin. Now we have confirmation bias and we let that eat us up all day long. Instead of saying something. And and, in Brian's element of time, time matters, but you have the gift of time and distance. When the phone rings and you avoid the call, you're not using the gift of time and distance. When an email comes in and it's uncomfortable to answer, you're not using the time of distance. I'm not talking about being confrontational. I'm talking about being vulnerable. And vulnerability is huge. So if a person's coming up on me and they're coming up fast, I got to put my hands up and go, dude, you're scaring me right now. And I got to say it loud enough for everybody else in the place to hear it. Why? Because I'm being vulnerable. And if Brian hurts me with his words, I got to go to Brian and say, hey, those words hurt. So he can realign my optics and go, Greg, you took that on the chin. I didn't mean that at all. So if we would do that in our life, if we would do that with our kids and with our family members and with our friends, you know, we've come to the point now where we're afraid to give somebody a compliment on their hair or their glasses or what they're wearing today, because we think that we're going to go out of bounds. That's not how humans act. So as long as it's in the bounds of humans, how we interact with other Humans and it's a positive thing where I'm sensing my environment, but you got to learn how to sense make. So some of us have spent so much time on computers and so much time on the internet and so much time looking at an app on the phone that we forgot that there's a human standing right in front of us that we need to interact with. So that's part of the training too. Now you know, and and I think that law enforcement is doing an incredible job. Are there some outliers that have done some mistakes that I didn't mean that in a Gladwellian sense? But yeah, but are there outliers at the library? Are there people that shit in a punch bowl when they're catering your wedding? Yeah. So the idea is what we have to do is we have to call out consequences, but we can't paint everybody with the same brush. We have to see those nuances. And the only way to do that is to read the human. And and Brian's signal was misread. So it was on me, not on society. And one of the
1: recurring themes that you guys have uh, on the podcast is intent or motive and societal, well, I guess societal emphasis on motive i mean e- even with what happened yesterday just about every news story ended where the police are still unsure of what the motive was for, for this particular school attack w- why are we so focused on motive That's rather a than intent? intent.
3: Yeah. excellent question yeah yeah so i would start here right people are always want to know or right? most people they take you you just brought up the school shooting that literally just happened yesterday so normal human beings would go why would someone ever do that? Because no one would ever do that, right? That's, uh, that's absurd to, to even think about why you would do something like that. So we get fascinated by it. Why would someone do that? So it comes down to motive. Well, and then, when once you go down the motive rabbit hole, people will insert whatever it is. Oh, it's because they were, and then insert whatever thing that they want to think it was. And most of that is wrong. That's that's punditry. That people trying to you know get you to go along with whatever message they're spouting out. But the simple thing is, like, if you've never had that thought of wanting to go into your school and kill everyone in there, stop trying to think of why you could do it. Stop. Stop trying to understand that. Right. Understand intent. All humans demonstrate intent you can't hide your intent and those signals are far more powerful right I, I don't care what group you want to belong to i don't care you know what cause you want to go fight for it's are you the keyboard warrior who's just spouting off crap in your mom's basement and you're never leaving or are you the person that's going to go and do it because those are two different people it doesn't matter what the issue is people oh they they self-radicalized and become part of this terrorist group like They're looking for something it has nothing to do with that terrorist group they don't belong they don't fit in they don't they feel like they don't fit in for whatever reason they don't have the ability to change the situation that they're in they don't accept responsibility for their actions so they blame others well here's a group that blames those same other people that i don't like well why don't i go get along with them because we're going to get along really well humans have to you have to belong to a group you you have to interact with other humans ted kaczynski who moved to a freaking cabin in the middle of the woods was not a loner. You know how I know that? Because he was mailing bombs to people and writing manifestos and sending it everywhere. He had to get his message out. He wasn't a loner that just wanted to be left alone. There are those people. You ever hear about them? No, because they're alone and they want to be left alone, right? That's very, very few of us. Though so everyone has to be connected to society. So everyone goes down this rabbit hole. Why would someone want, what are the motivations? Because then I can go get a PhD in something and talk about that. And then I can go get a PhD in another thing and talk about, and none of that information has ever been used to prevent the next attack from occurring. You know how I know that? Because they keep occurring. So if I look for demonstrations of intent, right, that is going to give you away. Now, I may not know why. I may not know the motive. But, Mike, if we're standing here talking and all of a sudden your foot kicks out, one of your feet starts pointing the other direction, and then it starts tapping, you're demonstrating your intent that you plan on going over there, right, wherever that's pointing to. I don't know why. I'm, it could be that I'm making you feel uncomfortable. It could be that you have to go to the bathroom. It could be because you have to be somewhere else. I can't jam that. I don't know what that is. But that demonstration of intent is a powerful enough of signal for me to know that you're walking away from me right now. So if I focus on those things, and don't get me, don't get into the body language because a lot of the stuff that's out there <laughs> is junk. I'm just using that as an example. Right. If I focus on demonstrations of intent, that's far more powerful than anything to do with motive. You're never going to know someone's motive. When you're walking in the street, you look, can't look at a thousand people and know what their motive is to do anything, right? Sorry, Greg, I'll let you go ahead, but that was just a... So let's prove it. Here, here's the tail of the
2: tape. The two best words in English language are proven. So you could talk shit all day, but now we're going to be on the pipe. The other half of what Brian said was fear. So don't think of the shooter and the yeah. shooting and their motive. Think of a suicide that you know personally and think of the motive. Okay. Well, the motive comes pretty easy. They were unhappy. They were so fucking unhappy. They wanted to kill themselves. Well, it's sort of the same thing, isn't it? And then what do we do? We go into self-preservation mode and we go, yeah, but none of the signals were visible why do we do that because that's a defensive perimeter that i got to put up because knowing that i missed the signals that my buddy was giving me before they ate their gun that blows and that makes me feel crappy just like i felt that breakfast uh, uh, in detroit Marinette still bothering me apparently maybe it was because i had four onassas coney islands in front of me and i only worked out for six minutes uh, but the idea is and that's true by by the way the the idea is they, they that, got shut down the day after yeah that. they did too we we ate the hell out of that place they got shut down for it wasn't Moral decency, they got shut down for bugs. I think, like, for example, you get an (laughs) incel, and incel, look. The first three, 400 times I had sex, I was alone. And so you can't just claim that, hey, an <laughs> incel uh, made me so angry that I went to kill somebody. Those those things, you can't put those things in the same bucket. Yeah. So stop trying to get a motivation. The motivation of the person yesterday in Nashville that killed six people and then died in a hail of gunfire with a with a copper was they were done. Their cup was full. They were about to go there, and they wanted other people to feel pain. And was it a targeted attack? Well, not from the human case capital, but it was targeted in the sense that school shooters do what? They shoot up the school they went to. So I don't know the news on this one yet, but I would venture to speculate this female or or whatever she lined herself with probably went to that school at some point in history. Why do we do that? Because if I'm going to shoot up something, I'm not going to go to the neighboring jurisdiction supermarket because I've never been there before and I'm going to be in, a, in an unfamiliar place. So motivation comes down to something I can't prove and it's going to be speculation. They even sound alike. Whereas intent a demonstration of intent she dressed in a provocative style why because she'd seen other shooters dress in a manner that way before and it was conducive to tucking in your pants and doing those things and having your slings well listen when you're on the range those things work out right and then guess what else we do we watch first person shooter games and we watch the news and we watch you know ukraine and and we learn tactics a person doesn't have to go to training now to be a part of training now it's everywhere all you got to do is watch a news report on the last school shoot- so instead of trying to go and go man we got to get to the bottom of the motive think of simple stuff street it up if your neighbor's writing a manifesto eh, probably a good chance you should call nine one and have your finger hovering over that one you get what i'm trying to say if you see somebody dragging a bag full of heavy items into the school or driving around the parking lot three or four times and then leaving their car door open and the car running when they're walking into the school those are things you know what struck me about this shooting I hate that we're off on a topic i'm so emotionally hooked to it because i saw the video this morning and and again it's only 12 hours old is this shooter defeated all the security protocols by doing the same thing that adam lanza did at sandy hook they used a burst of rifle fire to blow out the front door and walk right into the school how did that security plan work so what we got to stop doing is we've got to stop doing that and we got to stop saying hey on facebook or uh, on the internet, or were there other stress fractures? Did their person see that they were acting in a different manner well before it happened? That's where the magic is. If my car is running rough, something's wrong with my car. If my neighbor is running rough, something's wrong with my neighbor. And in Texas, two times last year, people let their grass grow really big. The neighbor's pissed off. They called the town or the city. The city came out and told that person to mow their lawn or we're gonna mow it. And when the city came out to mow the lawn, both of those people shot it out with the cops. One died. Both of them created barricade situations. Why? Because we don't understand humans and the human capital. We have to slow things down a little bit. We have to take a look at our neighbors and smell the coffee and drive around the parking lot before we go into the restaurant. And how many people do that? Mike, you were a copper for a good long time. You knew the street and you know that a lot of trainers come from Michigan. Why? Because Michigan's got a violent streak and and bad things happen, right? In all of your experience, if you could encapsulate that into one pill, it would be slow down, listen, feel, hear. And we're just not doing that anymore. So intent is something that sticks out and that I can point to and I can testify to. Motive isn't even necessary to charge a person with a crime. Uh, uh, Think about that. It's not a necessary element of the crime. So why am I spending so much time on it?
1: But it's like uh, prosecutors have to address the lack of known motive because it's almost this uh, expectation. We get it a lot of times in movies and TV shows and everything. But I think it's also people trying to rationalize. Oh, well, you know what? I wasn't bullied. So, so I don't have, I don't have, there's not a chance of me turning into that person right there. And they're trying to apply their rational thought to this perhaps irrational act, at least in their minds, irrational act. And it makes them feel safer.
3: And that's what Greg brought it up. It's fear. If, I mean, if you haven't had that thought, if you've never thought, you know what, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to I'm going to kill everyone in here someday. If you've ever had never had that thought, then you're never going to understand someone who would. Right. And and, and Greg brought up a great And when he was talking about that, you know, we we look at things like we've written programs for and, and done th- uh, things that are categorized as an insider threat. Well, a school shooter is an insider threat, right? Because they're part of that Good community. Point. But the kid who's going to commit suicide is an insider threat because they're part of that community. Now, they're a threat to themselves, to themselves not exactly. to other people. The coach that's trying to predate on one of the kids on the team is an insider threat. Okay, here's the thing. is It's real easy to, to look outward and say, you know what, you got to lock your doors at night because it's going to come from out there, right? Those people over there are bad people, right? We can get everyone together and I can rally people around and we can have that common enemy, but no one wants to look in the mirror. No one wants to look at the insider threat and an insider threat is always going to be far more damaging. It's always going to have greater repercussions. You know, a, a police officer who's, you know, abusing his power and his role in society is a much bigger threat than anyone out there in society is doing. Why? Because it just erodes the trust in the community. Exactly. It erodes the reputation at police department. Doing the wrong thing is 10 times or 100 or 1,000 times worse than, than just doing the right thing. Meaning the, the, the impact of doing the wrong thing is greater than the impact of doing the right thing. So sometimes it's just as simple as like, you know, I know we've all heard it before maybe, first do no harm. That's always been rule number one for a, pur- for a purpose. But that goes with everything I do. When I walk in and, you know, the the insurgent's been doing something wrong, and so my wife is yelling at her for, for whatever it is she did, or, or, or gonna, I don't walk in and come off the top rope and go, yeah, and another thing, and then you did this. You know, it's like, I'm going to assume she has this under control. I'm yeah. not going to walk in and change the situation, right? And and But we, we, we don't always do that as humans. And like Greg said, this is about fear. If you don't under... Humans naturally fear things we don't understand. That's ingrained in us because that's kept the human race alive, All right? Because the people who said, yeah, these folks showing up on our beach here, they seem pretty friendly. They seem nice. A lot of them died. Right. And a lot of them were killed. So, what they had to learn was to go, "Mm, we should probably not trust outsiders so much. We should probably be careful of these things that's ingrained in us. Right. But what isn't ingrained because we used to live in much, much smaller tribes and communities was that people on the inside, we used to be able to police each other. Right. But you can't do that anymore. Once you get to a certain amount of people, and it's low, it's like under 200 people. Once you get to a group about that size, you need a police force, and it doesn't mean a big elaborate thing. You need someone in charge of saying, I will keep order here. That's necessary for the survival of the human species as a whole.
0: Isn't curiosity a natural thing for humans to say why? We want to know what caused someone to act a certain way. And you can say, OK, well, this event happened so I, I can rash. Ration- I understand. I can see why someone might go that route such a great question uh, because it's not.
2: It's fear-based. So for example, if I see dazzling lights in the sky, I do want to know why. I want to know what that is. And the first thing that starts jumping into my head is it's got to be somebody from another planet because I've never seen lights over there before. No, those are unreasonable conclusions. That's putting a round peg in a square hole. And we come to those because we're insecure. So fear and insecurity make us go, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, man, he never gave any outward signs of being a, a criminal or a cannibal. He kept himself, He kept to himself because he was feasting on a kid. He had human remains, a skin suit hanging in his closet. Right. And, And the people said, oh, my gosh, the Gacy's house smelled so bad. And he was buying quicklime. What happens is even when we get the information to placate ourselves, to make ourselves feel better. Okay. what happens is we use denial and denial is now that couldn't be happening right now. Now, this guy couldn't be coming in with a shotgun. Now, he didn't just put it, you know, uh, shoot the person behind the cash register. And that takes time. So you're right humans are naturally curious which means they want to investigate their baseline their surrounding their neighbors we're also naturally horn dogs so we want to breed with people even though we're married and all those other things but when it comes to taking a look at, at something like this and going i wonder what made that person tick There's a certain bandwidth of those people that like to do that and they buy the books and they go to see those movies and everything else because what does it do? It gives them an electric chemical neurotransmitter. It dumps tropamine or or cortisol into the brain and they get a rush from that. So you're talking about a chemical rush that you can't control, but curiosity is something very different because curiosity is intelligent based. We're, we're talking about an emotion that's completely fear-based. You're trying to defend yourself. Now, if you find yourself doing that, this is another time that you gotta use the mental latches sketch. Am I drawing an unreasonable conclusion? I'll give you an unreasonable conclusion. Let's street it up. Have you ever heard a, a person say, my son could never kill his wife and their family and then shoot themselves? This has to be a conspiracy. Every conspiracy I've ever heard comes from that fear, that place of, I'm afraid of what's about to happen. A woman drives her kids into a lake, the woman just recently Strangled her three kids, and people go, "That's not my daughter. That couldn't happen." What is that? We have to create this insulation between the event and and the human that we knew. Is a human capable of killing? Yes, killing themselves, absolutely. Are those incongruent to natural? Yeah, now they are. A couple thousand years ago, maybe not so much. So we're still dealing with the same brain that we've had for 170,000 years. So don't expect new things to happen overnight. And and so people will kill when they're angry. People will rape when they're horny. People will, you know, or want to do a crime of violence. Don't get me on that because we got too many psychologists coming up with new spins on what's been around forever. So I would say, be careful. Yes, uh, we're interested. That's why we watch documentaries and crime shows. But the interest comes from a a, a fear within us that that could be my
3: kid. That could be my neighbor. We, we, we have to take your brain, has to take a non standard observation and, and turn it into a standard observation. Has to. It must. It has to justify everything in its life, right? So, and there's a number of reasons to this. One, like I said, we're wired a certain way, we don't understand randomness very well. There, there's a lot to the world that's completely and utterly random. And we all have a very hard time understanding that in, in, in our brain. We don't understand probability and, and statistics at all. It's the newest part of math for a reason. It's literally the newest element. You go trace math back, you know, a hundred thousand years or fifty thousand years. Not probability and statistics, right? Because this is why we're so bad at data. This is why data science isn't even a real science yet. It will be eventually, but it's not yet. So we will come up with your brain has to have an answer. It's going to jam an answer in there, whether it's a logical one or not. So when I see the lights in the sky and I don't understand it because I haven't seen it, well, it must be anytime someone says, you know, well, I don't know why they would do that or I don't know what that is. So it must be. It's like, no, no, no. You, st- you you nailed the first part of that sentence. You nailed it, stick with that. Either go find out or ask an expert or figure it out. But anytime you say, well, I don't know why they would do that. So it must be this. You're jamming that square peg into the round hole. And we we don't like that as humans. I mean, it's just how we work. We have to have an answer. I can't be left hanging. You know how many times I, especially just dealing with human behavior, I get people Well, do isn't that weird? Is this, I'm like, I don't know. Like, what do you mean, I don't know? Like, they'll give me some story. I'm like, isn't that weird? I was like, I, I have no idea if that's weird. Maybe it's completely normal. Like you're giving me one little sliver of thing. You, you can't go off of that. But we got to have that. We got to have that answer. That's how we are as humans.
2: Mike, think how many people are out of work today because the last two big shootings, the one that happened in Michigan uh, where the shooter didn't fit their profile and now this one in Nashville where the shooter didn't fit their profile and people are scratching their head. Why? Because what's the profile? You know, what? what is that profile look like? And, and we got to stop looking at that. We got to look at those pre-event indications and say these match a situation that's about to go sideways i'm driving too fast for conditions in an icy road, and I haven't checked my tires recently, I should slow down or I'm going to crash. That's the kind of analysis that we need to be doing here. But instead, we're trying to say at 31 degrees, the coefficient of friction is less than, and if the humidity point rises, nobody can do that kind of math. So stop doing that math and take a look around you and say, what sticks out? It's usually the stuff that's missing or that's sticking up that's going to trip you up.
1: Well, and Brian, you're so right about stats. I mean, in my graduate level statistics course, what I learned was that you can make numbers say whatever you want to. I mean, it's yep. just a matter of changing Absolutely. variables here and there. When we look at incidents like yesterday, God bless those two officers that went in there and ended yep. that threat. But but our training tends to focus on the things that have happened after the, the significant event, the harmful event has occurred, and there's so little emphasis put on the, the science that you guys are talking about. Part of me thinks it has to do with statistics because I can quantify that they ended it right these few minutes, whatever the case may be, but how do you yes. quantify preventing those types of activities? And, and we had on the podcast, uh, Max Schachter here a few episodes ago and he, he lost his son in Parkland. Th- there was both a poor service before And there was a horrible response after the event. But the thing that really Mm -hmm. pisses him off the most is the fact that they ignored the signs, the warning signs that occurred before where you could have prevented that harmful act.
3: Yeah. And there's a number of reasons why we do that too, is one humans like to, you know, we like to stop and look at the traffic accident, you know, as we're going by, we like to look at these things after they happen. But in the moment, you know, denial is extremely powerful, and because we don't understand them, most people just don't understand these things at all. It's well, it's it's because you know, it's well, it's obviously because of the gun they had. Well, it's obviously because they were transgender. Well, it's obviously because it's like, where are you pulling this crap from? Like, this is just nonsensical. So, so they'll justify. But so, in the moment, right there, it's far when you see pre-event indicators because. Because you've never seen how this plays out, it's it's hard to take this indicator way back here and then create an explanatory storyline in your brain exactly. that leads you to this is the kid that's going to shoot up the school. Because you've never seen that before, you don't have a file folder for what that looks like. You don't have a comparative baseline. because. Every kid you've ever dealt with, no matter how bad they were for your entire life, and you've been teaching for 30 years, I'm just making up this persona of someone, right? Everyone is, yeah, they might have gotten a fight and they might have done this. Maybe they got arrested. Maybe that okay. But it's never led to this catastrophic event. So you don't know that this part right here that you're observing is the most important thing. And and you really have to take all of those seriously and, and you have a better intervention strategy. But the idea is, what do we do then? We go okay. Well, we're going to get some doctor whoever and doctor whoever to write this book, and they're going to come up with a threat assessment model, and you're going to plug it in, and a squared plus b squared equals c squared. Well, that's not how fucking human behavior works. It's fucking iPhone plus lawn chair equals basketball, and we go, yep, that's the right answer. <laughs> that right? is. You're you're doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't jam it in to these little predefined buckets. Either your buckets are too small, and the right stuff doesn't fit in there, or or you're 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 trying to overcomplicate these things, and even if it is a great model that an analyst could use no one knows how to freaking use it it sits on a shelf right because we overcomplicate these things and we just don't People have to understand, look, use your life. This is how humans work. There's a certain bandwidth of normal human behavior. And I mean normal in a clinical sense. I mean normal in in whatever context that is. I don't care what color your hair is or what type of clothes you like to wear or who your favorite politician is. Whatever team you root for, great. Go root for your team. I'm, I'm, I'm all good with that. All right. It's I'm looking at your behavior within a given defined context. This is odd. And here's why that's odd. I need to understand that so I can look at those incongruent signals. Incongruent signals need to be investigated. Again, I don't know the motive or the reason why it is, but they have to be investigated. Like the same process you use to find a school shooter is the same process you use to find a kid who's going to commit suicide. It's the same process you use to find the teacher who's predating on the child. It's the same process you That's find true. who's freaking taking money out of the collection dish. It doesn't matter. It's it, you, you don't know what you're going to find, but everyone, if you're going to engage in some sort of criminal or deviant behavior, whatever you want to call it, something outside the norm, the clinically normal sense, you're going to give signals and you're going to demonstrate intent. So if I look at those, then I'll find it because again, as just Greg brought up in the last two school shootings, well, it didn't fit the profile. It's because it doesn't fucking exist. Stop! You can't profile a human. You can profile an anomaly, but you can't profile a human. Exactly. And you can describe a behavior,
2: right? But that doesn't describe the human. That's the other thing. It's it's what the person does, not what the person says. It's the act. It's not acting up. It's acting out that matters. Those little vignettes are the ones you need to follow. I'll give you an example of that. Marin, do me a favor. I'll I'll depose you real quick. I, I sent you a snapshot of Amazon just a a day or two ago about the book that we're actually talking about. Let's not name the book, but how much did the book cost? Yeah. Do you remember? 250 bucks. 250 bucks for that book to tell you about how humans react rather than you going next door and knocking on the door and going, Hey, what's with the peonias in your garden? So first of all, that's there. There's a crime being committed. Second part of that. Let's look at Columbine. I try to (laughs) stick to stuff that I see all the time. I still run into coppers. I still run into doctors That think that Columbine uh, uh, was goth and and trench coat mafia and was inspired by bullying and this incident and they were going after the, the jocks and anybody wearing a white hat was a death sentence. None of that is true. Here's a fact that you should remember going forth because Columbine's next week, buddy. You're you're not far off from Columbine when this show airs. And it'll be right around the time of Columbine. The Columbine shooters, the people that perpetrated this, everybody knew they were up to no good and they were going to do something violent. They were going to act up and act out. 18 months before, they knew that they were making pipe bombs and that the pipe bombs were going to be used to kill people. The journal entries were, I fucking hate humans. I hate life. There was all of these things that came together a year and a half before the incident happened. And then afterwards, everybody goes, how could we have ever told that something like this was nigh? Every single person, when somebody does something crazy like this, whether it's a mall shooting or a person pops up on the curb and runs through a bunch of people in Canada or or, or somebody fights it out with the copper, there are other people that know that person intimately that would have said, you know what? I can see that. And that's what we have to talk out about. Look, uh, you're saying, well, I don't want to ruin somebody's life by reporting incongruent behavior. Okay, what you're gonna do is you're gonna save a life. And the idea is that a cop would rather come to your house 200 times for nothing than the one time where it was a family annihilator that killed everybody next door. Any cop worth their weight, wants to do that. Any soldier, sailor, airman, or marine that goes into a kinetic environment would rather sit down, take a knee, have a shur and a jirga than kill that entire village because we're just going past the My Lai Massacre anniversary day two. Study human history. Those things that stick out, okay, are either the best thing in the world or they're the worst thing in the world because everybody else is pretty mellow and pretty even keeled. So, I would say stop studying the wrong thing and believing in the crap. start studying the right thing and stick to the science and the facts, you'll probably do okay
1: as we're starting to wrap things up uh, i've got a couple more things i got to say but they lied to us a little bit because they said their first episodes were crap and i i am going to prove to you that they were not because these are some things that man as soon as i heard them i paused the podcast and i'd call up my buddies and i'd say hey listen man you, you got to listen to this so here's a couple of them uh-huh. uh, there was an episode where they were talking about too often when we rush into things we fail to take in and use time and distance. That's how you end up right of bang and left of help. And I'm like, son of a gun. That That is a perfect way of describing that right there. That right there, you go to uh, one of the most uh, current officer safety studies is uh, making it safer. And, and they talk about how uh, this high percentage of cops are being killed when they're being dispatched on a call. And they're not waiting for backup. Or backup wasn't dispatched and they didn't ask for backup and they end up right a bang right. and left of help. Time and distance is your friend. Am I right?
2: Yeah, it's spot on. And and I'll tell you what changes you spinally for the rest of your life, boys and girls that are on this call, when you're looking at a couple of body bags surrounded by crime scene tape, and you hear the cell phone going off where somebody's trying to text or or call their loved one, that'll change it forever.
1: Roger that. Uh, another one you guys talked about training and and brian you always in the the other podcast remember training by changes behavior training unhacks the tools and and you tell me hey can you can you take a screwdriver and a crescent wrench and turn it into a hammer and, and a chisel well yeah but that's a hack a lot of it's not of any fault of their own but we got some hacks out there simply because they haven't been trained in decision making they haven't been trained in the tools that they have
3: So there's a lot of folks too that. Well, look, it's if you don't know where this stuff came from that you're teaching, you're what we call like one slide deep. You're seeing it where someone's just basically reading off the slide and they're just going through what it is. It's like, well, hey, man, like there's a lot here uh, that that you can unpack. and, And, you know, that happens for a number of reasons. Part of it's kind of like, I think socially, that's kind of just accepted more where people just come out and now I have a book and now I have this and everyone likes it and, and they're very popular, but that doesn't mean it's worth anything. I mean, you know, that's the whole joke about Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I've read a bunch of his books. That guy's full of shit. I mean, he's literally said, you know, don't let the facts get in the way of a perfectly good story. I mean, he's said that stuff like that. I mean, he, he makes up stuff. Everyone who's ever heard the, love his this books. term, oh, 10,000 hours of whatever, that's a made-up number. He made that number up. He's yep. never done anything his whole life. He writes about some amazing people who've done some amazing things. But what do we do as humans? We become obsessed with him rather than becoming obsessed with what the concepts that he's talking about or the people that are talking about so we're because we're humans we're obsessed with other people because we're obsessed with ourselves that's just how it's why social media works so well I want to find out what everyone else is doing and then I'm going to mimic that behavior and so much of it is just just mimicry and you see that all the time there's nothing worse than on LinkedIn or one of those places where you go through you just see the absolute like cringiest post you're just like oh my god and they're just mimicking something else they saw and and that's what we start doing as human. So, you know, you just got to be a little bit more deliberate with what you do but you know there's there's a lot in training and, and decision making is something that isn't taught it's just not taught at all and, and there's a lot that goes into it and some people get really really into it you can become a decision scientist right you can and, and it's funny when some of the folks that we work with are some of the most brilliant cognitive scientists in in the world and how, and we the ones we work with are very much practitioners meaning they're not just in academia studying and teaching they've developed products or something. It's always I love seeing that insight at that level because all they're doing is giving these little drops of the tongue. We had one. <laughs> We're gonna call with her, and she's little like, oh yeah. If we could just get rid of our customers, we'd be great, we'd be <laughs> great. Exactly. because like she's so fed up yeah. <laughs> because she's like, look, all of the answers are right here. Like you're getting in your own way. This is what science says. You can come in with all these ideas, and that's what they let them do. They go, all right, yep. See all your ideas. Uh huh. Test it out. Test it out. Uh huh. Okay. So see how none of this worked. All right, so back to what I was saying on day one, why don't you try it this way? And they're all like, oh, and it's because it's it's, it's counterintuitive to how we see the world sometimes. And, and so that, that's there, there's, a, there's a lot to learn about this stuff.
1: One other thing here, one of the most recent episodes I listened to, uh, Greg, you said this, competence produces a confidence that allows us to be kind to our fellow man. Man, that one right there, that one hit me, hit me hard because the more competent our people are, the more likely it is that they're going to have a good contact with the people in the public.
2: I wanted everybody on the streets to know that I had been minted from the police academy, and I knew everything, and I was the baddest ass on the street. So I ran more cars, booted more doors, put more lead downrange than any of my contemporaries. I made more felony arrests. I got in more shit. I cracked more heads. And I thought that was the answer. And you know what? I was part of the problem. I was an ongoing part of the problem until I had the epiphany that, wait a minute. I don't need to demonstrate that on the road. What I need is to mimic, use my mirror neurons to the emotions that I'm seeing, and then demonstrate compassion because I know I'm the best at all those things. I know I can outshoot you and outfight you and outrun you and outdrive you. So, why do I need to do that each time? What is it? Well, it's me. I think. That i need to do that and the academy can breed that and your fto's can breed that and your instructors and your fellow cops can breed that and then you have the shitbag cops that are just oxygen thieves collecting a, a gosh damn paycheck and they drive you to do it too because you want to show them that there's a better way and then all of a sudden You take a look and you see the human toll, you know, they they can find you by the trail of burning corpses rather than call you from dispatch and you go, there's got to be a better way. I can't fight everybody I meet. I can't just go up against this all the time. And you start to think and you start to plan. And that executive thought all of a sudden starts stimulating these conversations. And you know what? You become a hostage negotiator. Why? Because you're the best guy on the team to get people talking. And when they're talking, they're not killing. And all of a sudden, guess what? Those chemicals that make me want to repeat behavior start coming into my brain and driving the need for more chemicals. So that compassion and that competence and that confidence now work together to make me less lethal as a cop. More talkative, more conscious of my time on a scene. People go, Yeah, well, I know this is probably nothing. Nah, listen, I got nothing else to do but this call right now. And I'm not leaving because I don't know how many times you might have called 911. This might be the first time a cop comes to your house. So I'm going to sit at your kitchen table with you. And if you got coffee, I'd love one. And let's talk. And you're saying, But we don't have time for that where in the policy and procedure manual does it say hurry up on the shitty calls because you want to make sure that you run to that bank robbery? Now, we got to change that. We got to change that dynamic in business too. Who's the most important person? The person standing in front of you. So stop looking at your computer screen when you ask me what I want to order. Look at me. Look at me and be able to describe me in a couple of sentences if I walk out of the store or run out of the store and also understand that the person in front of you in line that's taking too long their cup might be full and they might have a sig under their jacket and you say hey moving on old man they might turn around and light you up so life is simple and what you got to do is you got to remember that thing when you go to the carnival that ride that looks like a viking ship that goes like this you got to figure out every day every minute of every day where you are on that ride cuz sometimes it's a great ride and you're almost coming up out of your seat and we and then all of a sudden at the bottom when all that shit's pulling down on you and you think you're going to vomit it's oh life is like that man (laughs) And, and so just understanding those little simple pieces. And they're not rhetoric. We fully believe them. And we don't create platitudes. There's no shirt out there with that platitude on or a a poster. And we don't post a thing and and claim so-and-so Rivera said this and that and the other thing. We don't believe in that shit. Be a good human. And and guess what? I made huge mistakes. 90% of what I teach now is based on those mistakes that I made that science corrected. And if I can do it, Uh, the worst perpetrator in the world. You know my history. If I can do it, anybody can do it. That's another reason we do it for free. Once you have that epiphany, man, life gets so much easier and it's so much more fun.
1: And just to go along with that, if our listeners haven't uh, listened to some of the previous episodes we've had recently, uh, we interviewed Chip Huth, retired from Kansas City, works with Arbinger Institute now, talking about the outward mindset, seeing people as people, not as objects, completely changes your perspective on things. And also we had Gary Nessner was the former head of FBI hostage negotiation. Listening to what they talk about to get that time and distance It doesn't make you less safe. It actually makes you safer. It doesn't mean you're not prepared to handle a threat. It just means you're not perpetuating the threat. Uh, But, Brian, Greg, and I have a lot in common. You know, uh, big heads. Uh, michigan you know that type of thing uh Shore, ugly beards <laughs> you and i have something in common too because there was a, a statement that was made on one of the most recent ones and this last one i'm referring to it was a, a new year's episode your your co-host gets on there and says uh brian is probably at a two three right now probably isn't wearing any pants <laughs> but he's spot on and that's how i get treated on this podcast right here so oh, yeah. i sympathize uh, <laughs> with you my friend
3: yeah greg likes to make those uh those jokes on there on the show if if it were true if we were drinking bourbon on the show it would probably <laughs> evolve rapid pretty rapidly
2: yeah but hey we're not counting out bourbon because yesterday was like national whiskey day so we do drink but it's in moderation you know and certainly no fentanyl so let's get that right out on the table
1: speaking of drinking bourbon on a podcast last last week we were at aelita and we we actually recorded and broadcast a live version of this podcast and one of our guests was joe kehoe from milo range training systems and i understand that you guys have done some work uh with that company can you tell me about that real quick
3: yeah we've got uh um so we we got a strategic partnership with um with milo sort of well, we already did. We're changing the game in, in a lot of the video based training stuff. And we're taking it out of this kind of shoot, don't shoot type scenarios. I, from what we've seen, a lot of agencies kind of maybe not utilizing this type of technology to the best of its ability. And so what we're doing is creating scenarios based on our work based on human behavior, pattern recognition analysis, It's a critical thinking game, right? How do I actually solve problems within this Within this really difficult, you know, tough but solvable problem, right? How do I what, how do I articulate this? What are the tactical, operational, strategic concerns or uh, implications of my actions? What are the psychological, sociological, physiological indicators that I'm seeing? Right? How can I use this? So versus the go in there and then you're walking through a house and then something jumps out and it's a guy with a cell phone or it's a guy with a gun. Life is not like that. I mean, it's just not. Life is like Greg's sexuality is non-binary, so there are there are many options that and fluid. I might add. So the, the idea is is you have to be able to think through a situation. So we developed that, what we call the Hoberman series. And if if you know what the Hoberman sphere is, everyone thinks of those little sphere balls that are multicolored that you can then open up, right? And they expand and they contract. you have likely seen something like that before. Well, that's how life is. So I have, here's what I'm looking at right here with this sphere, but in fact, you can open it up. You can turn it. You can look at it in different directions, and you can see all of the the spirals that can come from this. And that's how life is, right? Those really bad stories that make the news it doesn't start out as, you know, a bank robbery in progress. You know, it doesn't start out as someone killing. But it starts out with something small. And then it escalates and snowballs, and the next thing you know, those police officers are on trial. They don't know why it happened. No one, everyone made bad choices. So we're focusing on that, and we've developed that with them, and and we're working it in the into the Milo Trainer system.
2: so So whether it's augmented no that's actually great when we talk about augmented virtual reality any of the types of new computer generated stuff what we wanted to do is we wanted to get at critical thinking without having an agency buy a new thing so the cool thing was that milo's out there and they've been around and guess what they've got a great product so us scripting hoberman scenarios that aren't a jack-in-the-box you know shoot don't shoot at the end of your muzzle That was great stuff. Uh, We're doing the same for RAP. RAP does a great job at VR. And so instead of upending the the apple cart and starting over, all we do is we augment the type of reality that they have in their scenario to make it cognitive decision-making. What does that give you? That gives your trainer six different episodes from one. That gives them a chance to spiral and break off and say, hey, let's talk about this for a minute. What does true de-escalation mean in this situation? So it's conversation starters in the game engine that are real so your brain goes wow this is pretty important i better pay attention to it so now we're attending to those facets of real life that would tend to lead a reasonable person to believe that things are about to happen comes with a student guide and an instructor guide and it comes with some tips and tricks from class that we teach so you can get to those people because you know what just like any job you got the old people that sit around and go i know everything i don't want to listen to this new inclusivity shit uh then you got the young person that says everything is dei i don't want to listen to any of that old shit and then you got the middle of the road people that go hey don't interrupt me from my job to come in and do training. So, we wanted something that appealed to everybody, and we wanted it to be science based. We want to be fun and entertaining. But at the end of the day, that you had these spirals that you could investigate to open up that branch of that training. There's 18,000 agencies that are out there. Do you think all of them have great training instructors? uh, Do you think all of them have the kind of budget where they can send people to great training? So we wanted to work with those agencies and anybody else that wants to call us to make their stuff more cognitively real and more thought provoking to make thinkers on the street, not shooters on the street. You already have the best training everywhere for shooting. It didn't stop that shit in Nashville. And you say, yeah, well, the, the cop shot him. Yeah, that's what cops do. That's what they're trained to do. Soldiers are trained to kill. We don't need to get there in every one of these extremes if we have some of those subsets and a lot of them are communication-based, which means that you can change the outcome of a situation by fixing you. If you don't fix you when you get out of the scout car and come up on the scene, then you're bringing all that shit with you. You got dispatcher shit because they told you stuff. You got other cop shit. I oh, watch that address. They might have trouble. You got, you were there before and you met that family one time, right? And you know what else you had a dicey burrito for lunch and you got that wedding to go to later. So you got other shit on your mind. That's what we try to cut through because every human that's in a situation where they have to make a decision. Brian, I love your quote, decision science. Every person that's in that situation doesn't always consider the likely outcomes. And we like likelihood. Most likely course of action ain't going to hurt you. Most dangerous course of action, you might be at a homicide scene and it might be your homicide. So you should pay. You know, take notes
1: we're going to make sure we put the links to milo in our episode notes and and folks i I would like to i would recommend highly recommend to our listeners to go and check out that system if you don't already have that Uh but as we're recording this you also have some uh, big news some something going to be released uh here hopefully in the next month or so can you guys talk about that at all what what can you tell us about it's
2: max it's max max is going to be released soon
3: brian Yeah, I do have a a boy that's due in June, but I think you were referring to uh, our, thank you, I I think you were referring to our textbook. So we do work with universities and and just in general uh, courses people have always asked for and and people always want, hey, you guys should write a book, you guys should write a book, which is hilarious because a couple Marines uh, uh, went through the Combat Hunter program and stole all of Greg's story and wrote a book called Left of Bang, which is why we're called the Left of Greg podcast. You know, it's kind of funny, but so we we did it the way that you should be done. So we did it in—it's uh, a textbook, and the textbook is going to accompany some courses and stuff like that. But it is obviously going to be something that people can buy, and then we're going to have kind of an online component to it as like sort of a student guide through the book for different examples and us recorded stuff and video. And this is how you do this. This is what it looks like. So, and we did that. For a number of reasons, obviously one for necessity for for our business, right? For for to have the textbook <laughs> to go along with some of the services we provide, as well as because there's some schools that want to have a. Program an HBPRA program as part of their psychology or, or a uh, criminal justice department. So we're building a university level course for it. And so there's that, but, but also for anyone else who wants to learn more. Exactly. And so the whole thing, it's a little bit of a barrier to an entry. Like you want some $20 book to buy at Amazon. Great. Go buy it. You want to learn how to do this. Well, you learn from textbooks. You can do a lot of learning from that. And so it's both in our same style of doing stuff. Very practical. Gives a lot of the science behind it. And it's given... The whole program. Here's here's the entire framework from which we build things. Now we still have to put things together, obviously, when when we do uh, our training. But but you're going to have all of the elements, right? And you can you can take a look at them yourself. And and listen,
2: the, the reason I brought that up, Mike Brian hasn't asked me yet to be the godfather, so I thought this 50th episode, this is where he's <laughs> going to come on and ask me. But then again, Brian hasn't told me his wife's name or introduced me to her, so I understand that something's <laughs> going on there. The, the second. Uh, Uh, Part of that is, look, we are not saying that we hate those people that plagiarize us over and over and over. Some don't know they're doing it because they don't know the origin of the stuff that they're teaching. They got a certificate of instructor from somebody, from somebody. And when you trace it back, it comes to me and they just didn't know that. And there's other people that do it intentionally. Look, if you choose to do it intentionally, just quote us and say where it came from. So the textbook writes those wrongs by you're able to go there and go, okay, here's the origin story. This is what actually happened. And why? Because listen, when you learn it the right way, You can take it so many places that we don't go. You can take it to your church group, and you can take it to your school, and you can take it to your kid's soccer practice, and we want to make sure we leave a legacy. It's not about Brian and I. It's about the art and the science of human behavior pattern recognition analysis.
1: We'll, we'll make sure we include uh, links to the the book as well as my my fellow podcasters here will attest. I give a lot of credit to you guys. In fact, they say uh-huh. <laughs> they say that I I reference your your podcast your your work uh, more. I
0: say you're on staff. That's what I say. <laughs> That's I, I do
1: want as we're wrapping it up here. I want to say thank you so much, uh, not only for being with us on on this special episode, but also for the work that you do. I I can't tell you what an impact it's made on me. I can tell you uh, my friends called me now and said, man, this right here is fantastic. So thank you for the the difference you're making in the profession and our society. That's an incredible legacy that you guys are working on right there.
3: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us on. We we love coming on other podcasts and stuff. I love it too, because then I, I can come on and I don't have to do any of the work. <laughs> so there's nothing behind it. <laughs> so I true. just get to come on and talk. It's much more enjoyable. So, so no, <laughs> I know I really appreciate you guys having us on here and what you guys are doing. And we love it. And I'll reach out to you too for some of the stuff we have coming up, because you're not far from Milo. So I'm sure we can get you in into, yeah. kind of into the to the course that we're going to be doing with them in person uh, to kind of surround this home and stuff. So.
1: Apparently they they, they do cookouts on Friday and they've invited me down for that. So I'm kind of excited. If somebody did want to take the master's level look and go into that intensive in-person training that you guys offer if they're looking yep. to host it or attend it where's the best place for them to get information on that
3: reach out to me I'm sure you can put my email in the details and all that stuff so but it's, it's Brian Marin at ArcadiaCognorati.com either go to the website and reach out or reach out directly to me find me on LinkedIn too and and we'll get something set up so just just reach out and we'll we'll, we'll make it happen
1: well if you guys ever need anything in the state of Michigan you, you got somebody I know I know you guys have got contacts but you got a guy that'll do something
3: let, let me give a shout I out
2: to that. to you mike mike warren you're you're such a great friend we call them advocates on the ground you're an advocate uh, you're an early adopter that helps us get known so we owe you for that uh you got a great team brent henson and and aaron behind you they don't understand the magic yet and they will soon start spouting the gospel you bastards uh <laughs> whether you know about the <laughs> podcast and stuff but but we'd also like to say look it's 50 episodes in for you the virtual academy between the lines you reach folks uh shout out to wayne oakland and macomb police academies they'll know me shout out to badge 187 uh 187 you know who we're talking about shout out Roger to a lot that. of those folks that listen Connected fiber is the key and to keep this ball in the air it's like uh the bump set spike with volleyball to keep this ball in the air you at between the lines are doing the work and we wouldn't be out here people wouldn't know about us if it wasn't for you
1: well i appreciate that my brother brent thank you so much you and Aaron and Brandon for, for setting this up, man.
0: I forgot to mention Brandon. Yeah, uh, One, I'm glad to know that your Canadian girlfriend is real. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, number two, you'll notice uh, there, there was a reason I, I kind of let you steer the conversation today because I knew you'd have questions asked. but also I think it's important for me. There are a lot of times where I sit back and I don't say a lot because I think it's important to listen. And I think if you've gotten this far on the podcast, go back, start at the very beginning and listen again, because there's probably some things that, that Brian and Greg said, that you need to hear again and then you need to hear it again because Uh it's incredibly insightful and I appreciate your candor and uh, and your your openness and your transparency with us and talking about these things because a lot of them people don't want to talk about or they don't know how to talk about them. So thank you guys for for making time to uh, to not only be our, our guest on the fiftieth episode but uh, to really dig in deep to some of the things with human behavior. Honored, appreciate uh, you guys having Humble. us on. We yeah
3: we thank you guys so much for for letting us come on here. I mean we 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 love doing it and and we appreciate all the kind words you guys have and. Um, would love Greg would love even more kind words, so please uh, keep. As keep long going. as it
2: starts with or ends with Greg, <laughs> of course that's true. Or there's food involved, or there's brown liquor involved, or cigars. I'm yeah. a very simple human. Do you get what I'm saying? Very simple. <laughs> yeah.
0: Shout out to the gross pointers too. Oh, yeah. You know? And thanks for Ryan for getting up super early over on the on the West Coast for uh, doing this podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you.